Podcast Network Asia. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the guest edition of the Class Clown Podcast with me, Chino Liao. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. It's such a an honor and a privilege for me to bring you these episodes. Wait, <laughs> when I say honor and privilege, it sounds like I'm doing a Pulitzer Prize award-winning podcast. Only, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like this thing won awards all over the world. But no, no, right? Only a handful of people listen to this podcast, which is. A little sad, but also good if you're part of that handful who looks forward to these episodes dropping on the weekly, bi-weekly. If you look forward to me talking about a certain topic by myself for a good 20 minutes, or if you look forward to me just talking to somebody else uh, for a good hour, I'm glad that I got to have this honor and this privilege to present to you this episode or the this series. Thank you for tuning in once again. Like I said, today is the interview portion of the podcast. How did you like the solo pod? It was self-deprecating humor. I can't even say it properly. Self-deprecating, self-depreciation. Something that you uh, can relate to if you're a comedian or starting out to be a comedian out there and you're listening to this. The, is the, is it something that you can relate to? Is it a part of humor that you try to balance with? Let me know, guys, because I'm actually just a sounding board here. I'm essentially talking to nobody and yet receiving so much feedback in return. So if you let me know, what you thought about the episode or how you feel about certain things that I will be more than happy to echo your sentiments out into the podcast world. You know, I'm just here voicing opinions. Most of them are my opinions, but hopefully they are opinions that resonate with everybody. All right, good. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's jump into our guests. Because our guest for this episode is a dear, dear friend. I even consider him a mentor and a teacher and somebody who has just been amazing in my journey in the world of improv. Yes, that's right. Improv is something that I've... uh, substantially dabbled in like i can't really say i'm a hobbyist it's it's weird man it's a weird relationship it's like an on and off relationship with improv it's exactly like me and exercise like sometimes i'm in it sometimes i'm not most times it's fun right but uh, there there are a few times where i just forget about it and then you and then you find it and then you fall in love again um so yeah, exercise and maybe food. <laughs> like, 
Like those are the things I can compare improv with. But improv is such a different animal altogether. And you'll see why as I talk with today's episode's guest, Mr. G- Mr. <laughs> Mr. Gabe Mercado. There we go. I finally got it out. Sorry, it's been a been a long day in this part of the world. Uh, Gabe Mercado is the co-founder of Third World Improv, the official school for Silly People's Improv Theater, which is a an improv group spit, the improv group that he actually started. So it's just an incredible journey for him, and we get to know what how that actually transpired. We get a little snippet of his life, his many, many decades in the scene, and what inspires him to, you know, apply improv into other aspects of just not even just performance, but education and science and learning and application. Just an amazing tale on this episode. And I'm glad that you are here with us today. So without further ado, let's jump right in to my episode with Mr. Gabe Mercado. All right, our guest for this episode is actually one of my mentors, my improv teachers. He is also one of the founding members of SPIT and one of the founding members of Third World Improv. What a pleasure it is to have Mr. Gabe Mercado on the Class Clown Podcast. Hi, Gabe. Finally, Chino. Finally, you have me. (laughs) I am delighted to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. I haven't seen you in a while. In a while, well, yes. Well, nobody has seen each other in a while. So it's good to see you, Chino. Thank you. It's good for, It's good that you agreed to do this, first of all. Uh, I wasn't sure that you, you were actually looking forward to this. So thank you for that, you know, the eagerness <laughs> to be on my little podcast is, is something that's refreshing yeah. to me. I wrestling ang topic, pero... <laughs> that's the other part. That's the other podcast, yeah. But we can do that too in in another episode. Pero yun, that's the other podcast. This one one is more of me just trying to pick people's brains. Kumbaga? Because ako kasi, I find you to be this ultimately curious person, eh, diba? Like, and dami mong involvement, not just in improv. Ngayon, you have Vivi Stop, diba? And then you also dabbled in a little bit of uh, history touring, diba? So, parang ang dami mong hands in many pots. So it's always just this, you're just the one person I want to talk to about. Kasi ang dami mong alam about everything, basically. <laughs> you know, there's a term that they use in mga startup circles, which is called serial entrepreneur. These are people, you know, who just can't help themselves but set up businesses and all of that. I'm not like that. <laughs> I'm not a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> I think uh, if I had to invent a term, siguro serial paandar. <laughs> I just, I just always like doing things. They're not necessary. They're not businesses necessarily. I mean, if if you're if you're my friend and you know me, God knows I need to to earn thing to to learn how to earn better in some things. But I I do like I I like how you put it. I guess I am curious and. I like pursuing and enriching my curiosity by actually doing some of the right. things that I think about doing. 
So, so where do you think that comes from? Like that innate want to learn? Parang, was that because of how you were raised? Did you develop curiosity later on? Or... <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, malalim agad yung question. Pero... Malalim ka agad. I think it comes from being with, 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 well, first, with smart parents. My mom was traditionally smart. As in, either, you know, either a magna or a, sum, or a cum laude was a Fulbright, was, a, was Fulbright, covered the Kennedy assassination, that, that, wow. that, that sort of person. Okay. My dad, on the other hand, was not traditionally smart and in fact didn't graduate from university because he got involved in mga hindi siya kasundo ng mga hiswita, mga ganon. <laughs> okay. And I, I think I got the best of both na the academic interests and pursuits of my mom, I will always be thankful that I grew up in a house with the most interesting books. But the playful pagka-rebelde and impatience, I suppose, with traditional ways of doing things that my dad had. So that had to have a lot to do with it. Right. Um, environment and genetics, I suppose. Right, right. Because you 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 just mentioned it. May pagka-rebelde ka. You question things. You don't accept things as they are. Yeah. So has that influenced how you pick up on information? I think so. I think so. I always gravitate towards, you know, the people, whether in mainstream media or history or whatever, who thought a little bit different and who were, who were playful in their approach to, you know, established norms. And I, I, I would find that fascinating. I, I grew up also in a very traditional uh, Catholic school. I went to Southridge, Opus Dei school. Right. So oh. very, 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 very traditional. And yung pagka-rebelde don was to always look at the rules, look at what's bawal, and do enough to not break them, but <laughs> to skirt the line. Oh, oh, enough to get the thrill right. of doing it. So, like for example, we at that time there were really only two buildings in Southridge when I was uh, I was growing up. Maybe this was around grade seven, okay. and we were on the second floor of the back of the school building, and the cafeteria was in was the other building okay. and to, to get to exit from the second floor at the back if there was a rush to exit the building we would be the last kasi back kami second uh-huh. floor so what that meant was that kapag lunch break and the lunch bell rings even if we ran fast parati kaming huli sa pila kasi guy, you're all the way back you're all the way back and that meant na puro gulay na lang yung ano <laughs> yung pagkain and that's that's not good sorry we were first year high school then and that's not good and we resented it na yung mga lower grades may karne kami uh-huh. puro gulay na lang so what we did was nagbaon kami ng abakaro okay. and we tied them to the windows so that once the lunch bell rang, we would rappel from the second floor. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> to the first floor. Ang intense no. <laughs> Tapos tatakbo kami sa cafeteria to be first in line. Wow, that's hardcore. Sabagay kung second floor lang naman. Very second good. floor lang naman. Second oh. floor lang naman. Pero hindi mo din you maiisip can... na gawin talaga eh, diba? Out of desperation. Oh. It was more creative than it was daring. Uh, oh. More gago than it was. Oh. So, <laughs> the, the extra danger was that the room below us was actually the chapel. Right. And there was a mass. So we had something like a five to seven minute window from the bell till when the teachers would come into the chapel for mass for us to all rappel down and then get the ropes back up. <laughs> so that would succeed. Tapos una kami, una kami sa pila. And just to rub things in, lahat kami nagdo-double order ng karne. Para lalong, <laughs> para lalong maubusan yung oh. lower grade. Kasi putang ina nyo, inubusan nyo kami dati. <laughs> Ngayon, lahat kayo maubusan ng karne. So, that went on for a while. Maybe maybe around a month. So, hindi kayo nahulit the entire time? You were rappelling and taking the rope down? All Mission Impossible style? Eventually, nahuli kami. <laughs> Kasi nag... Uh, it was hubris. Parang the descending was fine. Pero after, naging mayabang kami, you know, we were overestimating ourselves. We made the contest of climbing back up that way. <laughs> Okay. And yun, busog ka na. Meron ka ng dalawang, dalawang servings ng ulam. Tapos, aakit ka. Tapos, you know, it was easy. So eventually, naging contest between the two sections, 1A versus 1B. So ako yung class president ng 1B. Class president ng 1A, ganun. Tapos it became a question of who's the better section. Depende kung sino mas mabilis na umakit na presidente dun sa kapalangin. Tapos, to make it more difficult, tinatapunan kami ng candy sa mukha. <laughs> so, um, nahuli kami because of that, because of the cheering. Because you had right. two, oh. you had two sections cheering their lungs out. So eventually, a teacher came out. And then, I remember, it was Mr. Manny Escasa. And parang, we were halfway up. And you know that's not that's not like you said second floor lang yun. that's not very high. Right. So the moment we saw him we let go the ropes were the ropes were pulled up <laughs> and hidden so wala siyang <laughs> evidensya. Ang masabi ang nasabi lang niya was uh, well 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 Mr. Mercado. <laughs> Parang yun tapos at that time meron pang ano nagbabato ng candy sabi niya what do we have here? Tapos, since being babato pa ng candy, sabi ko, sir, catching candy. <laughs> and he just shook his head. Kasi, ano nga naman? <laughs> by, by the rule book, by right. the ano. Hindi uh, naman exactly, talaga disrupt eh, di ba? Yeah. Oo, what exactly were we doing wrong? So, I think, my long story, I think, illustrates that I think it is in moments of Really, when you're really constricted, when you're really under strict rules, and you've got medyo gago people with you, you can learn to play in creative and stupid ways. So right. a lot of it had to do with, with that. 
Right. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned that you had got if you're surrounded by other gago people, you learn how to play. Diba? Not that I'm calling them gago, but let's go into spit territory now. Diba? Kasi, that's what you guys essentially do. Uh how I know you've told the story millions of times before, but for the people yeah. who are listening here who might not know how spit started, can you tell them about it? Like where did the idea of of starting an improv group come from? I've always been fascinated with uh, improv. And uh, like many people, my first exposure to improv was Whose Line Is It Anyway? Which has been going on since forever. Right. Uh-oh. I've always been blown away by, you know, Colin, Ryan. So Wayne and Brady. Wayne Brady, of course. Right. Completely blown away by them and just completely fascinated by them. When I started, but I had always been, you know, a little bit of a joker in my life, you know, class, like your podcast, Class Clown, right. always made uh, everyone laugh in in the theater shows that I was doing, the, the theater role, I would always end up doing a funny part. I would have the band police and we would we would do funny songs right. then, parang it was natural. When I started doing television around uh, 98 or 99, ABS-CBN looked at me and said, oh, this guy has a comic career, a comedian career. And to be totally analytical about it, they need those things. Parang in the, in the roster of a television network, you need comedians and all of that. So, right. they're like, so he will fit in, in, in this box. And we were trying back then to really look at, okay, so how do we learn? How do we learn to be a better comedian? Although the Philippines had comedians, had great comedians like Dolphy, etc. At that time, around 98, nobody was teaching. Oh, Absolutely okay. nobody was teaching. Okay. And uh, I got into conversations with different people, different comedians, ganon. And... The two of the pieces, two people stood out at that time. First was Redford White. And Redford White was, I was with him in a television show. And he's one of the most underestimated and misunderstood artists of our time. Because the guy was deep. Right. Hella deep guy. And his advice was, go abroad. You won't learn anything here. Oh. Go abroad. And sabi niya, don't even take comedy workshops. Sabi niya, take Eric Morris being and doing and all of that. And his whole thinking was, his whole reasoning was, to be a great comic, you've got to be a great actor and really have mastery of your of your instrument, of, of your body and, and, and all of that. And, and Redford White was the kind of guy who walked his talk. Uh, right. Because... During, tape, during you know Christmas break, summer breaks from taping when he didn't have uh, any commitments, he would fly to Los Angeles and take oh, wow. acting workshops with okay. Eric Morris. There are very few people who took their craft as seriously as Redford White. Wow, okay. So that was one guy I talked to. Another guy I talked to was Leo Martinez at that time. Leo was a contemporary of my dad in Repertory Philippines, actually. So he he knew my dad, I knew him. And again, his advice also was take these, take, take workshops, look for workshops. So I went to the U.S. to take a workshop 
with. Uh, I, I, I had many, many options. I thought of doing a summer intensive in Second City in Chicago, a summer intensive in Improv IO, Improv Olympic in right, Chicago. Okay. Because I was very impressed with the book of Del Close and Sharna Halpern called Truth in Comedy. And for me, that sort of put the two concepts together eh, of serious acting and, and right. meaningful acting and comedy. It's a truth in comedy. So I was curious about that. But it was the intensives were, I thought, expensive because mga six weeks siya. Tapos board and lodging pa. Wala pa akong kilala sa Chicago. Doon. Yeah, it's, oh. So I went for a shorter one and I found a workshop with Paul Sills. Now, Paul Sills was one of the founders and the founding director of Second City. And he had a week-long intensive in his farm in Door County in Wisconsin. So I took that. I took that. Was both amazed at my first formal experience of improv. Surprised that actually a lot of the games that he did and a lot of the exercises he did were quite familiar. Okay. If you've taken if you've taken theater workshops in the Philippines, you're like, wait a minute, these are exercises that are called Spolin exercises that Paul Skills was teaching us. And I later on found out na kaya pala is because one of the pillars of PETA, PETA's theater education program was Spolin Games because they were the first to bring Spolin improv games to the Philippines back in the 1960s. These are like mga short for games, right? Yeah, like right. the exercise, right. mga Those are all Spolin Games. I was wow, like, okay. these are improv pala and these are familiar. And then also it was a it was a it was a good process of unlearning because I remember the first exercise that he made me do in front of the class. I don't recall what it was, but his feedback was if you do that kind of acting, wherever it is that you come from, and you get paid for it, consider yourself extremely, extremely lucky. Wow. <laughs> first exercise palang. So I loved it because it was discovery, rediscovery, uh, learning, unlearning things. So that's how I, I, I got introduced to improv. And then I came back and for six months didn't really do much until both Leo Martinez and, and Redford White called me and said, oh, you're back. You're six months back from that workshop. And you haven't done anything. Shame on you. <laughs> Shame on you. Wow. You earned all that and you're not spreading it. So, with the help of both of them, I called people I knew from Tanghalang Ateneo. And Leo let some of his, allowed us to recruit from from the Actors Workshop Foundation. So those were the very first people who were recruited. So the ones who are still around from from that batch, well, Akong was from Tanghalang Ateneo. And Ding Dong was from Actors Workshop. Oh, okay. So yun ang mga first. So we, we had about 12 people. We kept doing jams uh, weekly in the house and nine months later or so, <laughs> 
or so, then we started performing already. Wow, so it took you, siguro, sabihin natin, from six months to nine months. So almost a year, over a year yeah. to, to yeah, inform everybody. In. Ah. So medyo makamatid yeah. pa yung, yung process mo to, to get from... Because I've always been under the impression na pag uwi mo ng Pilipinas, boom, may gupa na agad. <laughs> no, no, it was it was um, terrifying to do that because there was we felt that we felt and parang justified naman that at that time that not many people would understand what improv was. Right. I think YouTube was just beginning or wala pa ata noon. What venue would would accept that? And the we knew right off the bat the traditional comedy venues the sing along venues would probably not be a good place for us right uh, because of the mismatch of expectations right. and all of that right okay so okay, a few questions to backtrack that first of yeah. all you might you mentioned see Redford White and see Leo Martinez how did everybody else in in the industry meet this this new insertion Parang accepting ba sila na may improv na bago or Yeah. Did they just hold to it? Yeah. People were very, very curious. People knew sort of of improv, you know, because improv was a practice that you would do in class. Right. In in workshops, in acting workshops, uh-huh. you would improvise, etc., etc. So it wasn't that alien to people who had taken workshops or for even for people in television. What they were trying to grasp was How can it stand on its own as an artistic form, whether comedy or not? So people were trying and trying, trying to to grasp that. Second, at that time, and I think until now, there are still people who come into shows with the fear that they will be made fun of, mm. that they will be the butt of the joke and right. all of that. So yun ang dalawang yun ang dalawang barriers that sort of made people a little bit apprehensive. But as far as um as far as the comedy scene went, never naman talaga nagka-crossover ang improv sa the sing along. Right, oh. The Pinoy sing along stand up. I mean, to put it super super bluntly, they were they were already a mega industry back then, raking in millions and millions. Oh, they were just you know tiny tiny blip in the radar. I don't think they we were enough significant enough to even be a threat or even to be noticed. Actually, uh, yeah, because because you mentioned the our like you the stand up that we do on, on yeah. my side, barely uh, intersects with that kind of stand up as well. Siguro ngayon na lang, like the last two years or so. Pero kayo, mas less pa, di ba? Kasi yours isn't like like stand-up at all. So, ikaw, when you were trying to find this new form of comedy, did you consider other forms of comedy or was improv your like first go-to talaga? I, ako, improv was my go-to. Because I felt that, you know, stand-up, that was already the rise already of Rex. Rex Navarrete was right, coming up to the scene. And um, I think sabay kami. Um, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Mga time, time na early 2000s. Uh, Correct. Right? And he was a friend because Joel, who was, uh, Joel Trinidad, who was one of our founding members. Pinsan niya yun. 
Ah, so okay. We were keeping track of each other and 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 all of that. And for for me, at least, I wasn't. I I wanted to be involved in something where I could be a pioneer, right? And I could be the best at my game. And I felt I've I, I've I've always had tremendous respect. And I really, really love Rex's material, and I thought, right. "Wow, this guy's this guy's got it." Parang okay na yan. The road is, the road is paved ahead. So I'll, I'll, I'll forge another road ahead. So I didn't really try any any other form except improvisation, because very wide na yung ano ng improvisation eh. As as uh, I would learn and later learn there's short form there's long form there's dramatic there's two person there's solo etc so it's a very rich tradition right okay from that let's cut right into break just in time to hear more about the amazing things podcast that Asia has to offer More of the Class Clown Podcast in a bit. But first, allow me to tell you about the many ways you can help me out. Just by listening and using the links that I will tell you on this podcast. That is right. It's advertising time. Guys, we are at the last legs of April. It is the end of April in two days or wherever you are in the world. So if you are listening to this right now, please go and send something through Mr. Speedy. That is right. The very last day you can use my Mr. Speedy code is today. All you have to do is download the Mr. Speedy app and you can have them send parcels, documents. They even have a Pabile service if you're so inclined to not stand outside and do errands in COVID world, you know? So Mr. Speedy is out there. They have you and I have you with the super exclusive referral code, Class Cloud Mr. Speedy. Again, that is Class Cloud Mr. Speedy. No spaces. All you have to do is download the Mr. Speedy app Register and use that code. And for the very first transaction you make on the app, you can save 50 pesos. Again, the code Class Cloud Mr. Speedy. Now, 5-5 is just around the corner because after April comes May. And that is just a great segue. But what's even better than that segue? Well, the sales on Lazada, of course. Lazada is your ultimate source for all the amazing deals around the world. And by shopping on Lazada, you can help me out too. All you have to do is very simply use my referral link, podlink.co slash SHK. Again, I'll spell it out for you. P-O-D-L-I-N-K dot C-O slash SHK. If you have the Lazada app, just type that link into your browser and it will lead you to your app. And for every successful add to cart and checkout you do after using that link, I get a little something-something on the side that helps me keep producing this podcast. Actually, that's a lie. This podcast costs nothing. It costs zero pesos to produce on the daily. But 
we don't need to let people know that. Well, you guys know that now. Pero sa atin, sa atin lang yan. But if you use that code, I get a little something, something on the side. And it helps me a lot as time progresses. Now, progression is a, another thing people look at in podcasting. And if you are a podcaster listening to this, I suggest you sign up for Podmetrics. That's right. Podmetrics is the ultimate way to keep track of your podcast progress, uh, to track its listenership, its audienceship, and to even monetize it. It's the simplest way to monetize your podcast. If you are a podcaster, please sign up for Podmetrics by logging on to podmetrics.co and using my referral code class cloud again my code class cloud also if you are an advertiser please work with me and advertise my show and if you are interested if you have a brand if you have a company or a business that you want to put out and promote into the world you can do so by visiting podmetrics.co slash advertisers. Again, the link podmetrics.co slash advertisers. All you have to do is sign up and jot down the form that you find on there and they will hook you up with me and we can start a fruitful relationship for your Ube Pandesal business or your, your Dalgona coffee business. Your sushi bake. It's all food, man. All these pandemic businesses are all food. Anyway, let's jump right back into this episode with more for Mr. Game Mercado. All right, back with Mr. Game Mercado here on the Class Clown podcast, talking about all things improv, all things performance and, and comedy, really. So let's uh Inception of Spit, diba? You guys started out from basically a ragtag group of artists from different groups, diba? Nag-recruit ka from here, nag-recruit ka from there. How, how did you preach the idea to them? How did you promote yourself? Hey, I want to start this new improv group. Tara, gawin natin to. For, fortunately, I had a number of things going for me. One, I was seen on TV. And I think this was the time uh, I may have... No, no, no. Well, I was already doing television shows, movies. Yeah, no. Maybe a year or two later, I would do the Yakult stuff. I was... I had already... The police had already released two, two albums. And I had come from uh, Tanghalang Ateneo. So there was a network. Right. There was a network. And as far as Philippine credibility goes... <laughs> I had it because I had a record deal and I had television shows. Right. Oh. Eh, parang yun lang maniniwala na mga tao sa yun. Eh. Kamagay, may gravity ka eh. Parang may may pull ka na kahit pa paano, diba? To say, na, Correct. I want to do anything at this Correct. point in time. Correct. And I guess, and I guess that showed na, yun, kinakausap ako ni Leo Martinez, kinakausap ako ni Redford White. Redford White uh, was my mentor. So I was a working comedian uh, on television. So that helped. That helped a lot. And then the places where we drew people from were yun nga, Actors Workshop Foundation and Tanghalang Ateneo. Those, 
the fact that we drew from theater people meant generally speaking when you draw from theater people at least from my generation they're worse they're used to working hard at something for the long haul um with with earning from it as a not as not as an urgent concern of course that's important to earn from it but here yeah. yung you were willing to risk with me also so yeah, that yeah. was important you said yeah. about the beginning of this this episode profitability has never been a priority <laughs> for you right? so no no i wish i wish i wish it has well it's not natural for me to to think about that and i made sure to feed them when we would have um, our jams we, right. we first began sundays i made sure to feed them well and it's a tradition that continues today even when spit meats and all of that we we have to make sure na okay yung pagkain right and Yeah, that food, parang yeah. the promise that we're gonna experiment. Parang food and the promise of discovery is just like one of the most unique driving forces uh comedy in general. Like if you think about it, and dami yeah. pumapayag sa free food lang, tama? <laughs> and I think I think what you pointed out, um, it's finding people who are as curious and who are as willing to put, you know, a little bit of their skin in the game by giving their time. To discover if if this is going to be interesting or not. Right, right. Okay, galing. Because I'm learning a lot of new things here with what you're telling me. Like how, first of all, you know, the train tadigi, or you were under the tutelage uh, of Redford White, and and how Spit actually got its first members, right? So how does the rotation go from sila? The first few members of Spit to the rotation you have now. Did you hold auditions? Nagpa Avengers casting call ba kayo? Na <laughs> I choose you and you and you and you, diba? How did that work out? Well, this year marks our 20th year, so life happens. A lot of people left. Of course, from from the very original original batch, the only ones who are active, um, who are still in the rotation, are myself, Akong, and Ding Dong. Jay was uh, Ignacio was the original batch, but you know he hasn't been performing with us for right. maybe a year, a year and a half. First, life happens from the original batch. Um, you know, some people went on to establish um, their own things, like Joel Trinidad established Upstart, and then he started producing traditional uh, theater pieces, musicals, right. and all of that. Jay is um, a documentary filmmaker now. Jay is a documentary maker. He's a graphic novel maker. All of that. He's a jack of all trades. Right. Tommy Alvarado, who was um, with us at the beginning, became one of the most in-demand directors for live events. Oh, wow. Okay. This, the same with Rodel Mercado. No relation. Uh, Rodel eventually had his own production outfit, outfit as well. And is is succeeding to this day. Karel Mangalyag, perhaps uh, our most successful alumna, eventually established her own training motivational speaker business. So all of that happened very very successful through the years. A lot of our alumni, 
there were those who came as stragglers. Okay. As the as as we as we went along. The first of the stragglers to come in was Pepe Manikan. Okay. And Pepe Manikan maybe joined within our first eight months because we heard of of an incredibly talented musician. And we at that time there were other improv groups that were starting and we heard that he had already jammed with another improv group but we sort of uh, asked him to say hey you've done that you want to try with us and i think nagkasundo dun sa pagkain si and i think the natural gagoness and the and the flat Uh, hierarchy. So uh, Pepe stuck with us. Eventually, Missy came in. Missy, uh, of course, uh, at that time was already a, an emerging uh, actress, young, young actress, young graduate from Tanghalang Ateneo, and was a troubled soul at that time. So for a while, she actually lived uh, lived in my guest room. Wow. Okay. And, in the house so parang she came in as a straggler in in spit and then eventually there was a bumper crop because we did we did a lot we did we saw our numbers going down people leaving my ex-wife uh, being one of them were leaving and we saw the writing on the wall and we saw that we really needed to replenish and we held a workshop Uh, in Ateneo, a series of workshops. And from those workshops came the Corderos, Monica uh, and Bibay. Chester, <laughs> of course, as uh, Monica's husband. Na- came naturally, yes. <laughs> Ariel came in slightly before that, but really formally formed. Si Ariel kasi kailangan ligawan ng matagal. Um, <laughs> although matagal na namin siyang nililigawan, parang he only... Formally, formally joined us with that batch. Kenneth Kang was um, with that batch as well. Be happy then, I assume, being at the A little uh, happy is Lasal, actually. Ah, Lasal, but si happy? Okay, yeah. That's oh, And then, parang slightly after that, within the same year, as we were recruiting more, we got Aaron. Right. Aaron was an audience member. So was happy. And Maliksi, I think those three were the ones who were sort of uh, outside of that Ateneo workshop batch, but was more, was more or less in, were more or less in the same years. And for me, what was way, way, way more important back then, because it was like we were starting over. Oh, okay. Parang wala na, or like you yourself and ako nalang yun From the original I think we were really struggling uh, by then. This was around 2004. This was around 2004. I think one, the friction in my in my marriage was showing on the group, and I think we were uh, our house was the home of spit. You know, right. and I think. The friction and eventually the collapse of the marriage made people feel out of place within the group. I suppose that was it. There were there was that. So it was like starting over because starting with that Ateneo batch, wala na yung ex-wife ko out of both out of the house and out of spit na. 
And it's like we were building fresh. And back to your point, the most important thing to me back then with the second batch was start with curiosity and commitment. Right. More than anything else. I started before with talent and curiosity. These were Tanghalang Ateneo, these were Actors Workshop, these were ano. But this one, this new batch, I said, let's start with the curious. Let's start with the naturally nago. Many of them never had performance experience before. Certainly Monica, Bibay, Chester, Arin, none of them. Happy did television as a, as, as a reporter, pero on stage performance, wala. Wala. So, ang layo din pala nung leap nila, no? From like, I assume they had all day jobs, di ba? Corporate jobs. Like the Corderos have their businesses, di ba? And, yeah. and Aaron had a desk job. So, I assume na ang layo nung talon from being behind the desk to on stage. Yeah, Aaron was still a student. I think she was third year or fourth year. Wow, okay. <laughs> Oo. But we started again. And again, the recipe of doing things for fun at home, not rushing to perform. And making it about friendship and fun and the importance of Magnet Katipunan at that time. Because I think up to maybe 2001, 2006, maybe that to 2006 or so, that was Act One of Spit. Uh, during that time, once we started performing in 2001, eventually there was a venue called the Comfort Room which opened up, which celebrated improv. It became the toast of the corporate scene for about two years. I remember one Christmas when we would be doing three gigs a day Wow! in terms of corporate engagements. So, uh, Even the other groups were doing corporate engagements, they were doing television, and, and uh, all of that. One of the improv groups out, outside of Comfort Room even landed a semi-regular spot uh, in one of the noontime shows of Channel 2. So it was oh. of ABS-CBN at that time. So okay. it was becoming mainstream. And then 2006, 2004, we had the very, very first Manila Improv. Uh, well, 2004 had two great things. One, we did a U.S. tour. We did um, the Los Angeles Comedy Festival. And then we also performed a little bit in San, yung mga Filipino fairs, mga right, yeah. in San Diego, in San Francisco, all of that. Correct. And then in Bindlestiff, in San Francisco. And then 2004 also saw us do an improv festival in CCP. Oh, wow. Okay. That, was that, this was, uh, assuming, this was way before the first MIF, right? Yeah. Yeah. We did an improv festival and we were there with the other improv groups. Other wow. improv groups at that time was Philippine Playhouse. Yes. Um, there was uh, the Bacolod group. Okay. The Kinenkoy Comedy Express. And then there was another group. Oh, uh, Kidlat by David Esteban. And all, and Spit. And all four of us were able to to mount a festival. Oh, in wow. But parang nag-peak doon and everybody burned out. And, to, and in 2005 or 2006, 
almost all the groups had disbanded or were no longer active. Carlos Sildran was with the improv group of David Esteban, and it was only after 2004 that the tour started kicking, started uh, hitting the mainstream. So that happened for him, etc. But 2006, because of, I guess, burnout, individual success, the breakup of my marriage and all of that, it was really on the verge of also disbanding. So somewhere during that time also, um, Comfort Room opened and then closed. It wasn't commercially viable for the investors anymore. So parang hit ng peak and was rapidly, rapidly declining. So when 2006 came and we had a lot of the original members of Spit left and we had a new batch and we started, we had to start all over again. It was good that we had Magnet Katipunan as a safe place to perform and find our, you know, find our identity again, find our moorings again. In, in, in some ways, uh, a place to suck, a place to experiment. Right. Uh-huh. Like, I, I can understand the importance of my bars that are willing to accept and take you in that allow you to to bomb, right? to use a comedy term, to bomb without yeah. have setting any expectations. Because in any art form, right? you need to learn how to experiment. So, now that you've done spit, right? you've done the improv thing, the showbiz, you've now delved, you've now delved You've now dove headfirst into education, right? <laughs> and then now you're also the head of, of TUI, principal. So is, is teaching like something that comes naturally to you? Or did this, is this your, something that I you love have your to... questions. I love your questions, Shino. I appreciate that. Siyempre, <laughs> you know me well. So... Uh... Oh, 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 oh. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, in fact, in college, I took I took in Ateneo interdisciplinary studies. And I had three concentrations, philosophy, sociology, and education. Okay. In fact, I was a practice teacher. Parang even even towards the end of my the the second semester of my senior year in college, I was actually teaching one class already in Ateneo de Manila High School. Oh, wow. As a substitute okay. teacher. As a substitute history, no, English teacher at that time. And yes, it's always been, it's always been my, my, my fascination. When we set up Third World Improv five or six years ago, part of it was... <laughs> Because I'm I'm 48 right now, and so I was already past past 40 when we when we set up Third World Improv. A lot of it was middle aging. It was a lot of us approaching middle age and saying, "Okay, so what's gonna happen if Spit's gonna die again?" And so instead that. of like buying a sports car, we like improv school. Man. Yeah, because it's like, we had enough. We'd seen enough of the improv scene to in the Philippines the past right. fifteen years to see it, you know, peak and then peak and decline. And then uh, we had already traveled enough to see how in certain countries it peaked and then it declined. It peaked and then it declined um, and then it died. You know? And then we were like thinking, 
very middle-aged thing to think. Now, what happens if we're gone? If spit is all in a plane crash, right. or all in a bus, bus crash, what's gonna happen? At the same time, we also heard that there was some investor, some of, the, some of these young people with money, were thinking of bringing Second City in to oh, the wow. Philippines. Imagine that. Oh, wow. Okay. This and, is the first time hearing of this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And do corporate improv, which was which was our bread and butter at that time. And uh, doing a school and all of that. And you were like, you know, we're not going to just allow some, some young guy with money bring in a brand. And then, parang, I, I remember we felt insulted because eh, he was... The person was extending feelers through a friend of a friend if we would work for him. Wow, okay. <laughs> so we wow. were like, what the fuck, diba? <laughs> well, what the fuck? Parang all those years of bombing, all, uh, all those years of paying for... Just corporate sleep skill. <laughs> oh, you know, parang I doubt if it, if it would even be paid well. We said, you know, it... This is something that, that we'd like to claim for ourselves. So that's why we put up the school. And even and as we were going through it, it also became clear to us that the more important and the more satisfying work for us together with uh, excellence uh, on stage and excellence in the craft is how improv becomes a vehicle for people to make personal breakthroughs whether having more courage, dealing with issues that that uh, uh -huh. yeah, that prevent them from growing, parang that became as as valuable. So, yes, um, third world improv parang mas natural sa akin. I feel more comfortable as a teacher as uh, as a principal than on stage and I feel very very comfortable on stage, but I feel just as comfortable in this role. And Vivistop or Vivita, which I'm doing right now, and it, which is why I'm in Baguio, seemed like a natural um, growth as well. Because Vivita, where, where all over the world, we started in Japan, right? but we're in Singapore, Korea, Hawaii, New Zealand, Estonia, Lithuania, and in Baguio. We're a center for kids, where kids can pursue any project that they're curious about. We have no curriculum, we have no teachers, but we have equipment, we have the environment for them to experiment and be playful and um, do things uh, in science, tech, engineering, arts, and math that will make them more curious learners. And I think you see the thread from yeah. your expert-handled uh, interview. <laughs> and it was when I eventually got it, when I, when I eventually pitched for this and then got this and convinced them to invest in the Philippines, I was like, my feeling was, wow, I feel like my entire career was in preparation for this role. Yeah. And right, improvisation, right. the spirit behind it, the playfulness, yeah. creativity. Oh. So you'd think uh, something like the stop when you mentioned the stems, right? and, and you mentioned what is involved in the project might seem daunting for somebody who doesn't have a background in that field, right? So was it daunting yeah. or did you just go dive in head first like you always do? <laughs> it wasn't that 
strange to be fair um one the philosophy behind it of not controlling um let a child create okay don't dictate trust them in the process i don't there are very few things that could have prepared me better for it than a career in improv na just trust the process right secondly i was involved for nine years as uh, the communications and pitch mentor for idea space okay philippines so we were in this i was definitely in the startup scene for a long long time right and divita started off the the first ideas of it was that it's a startup incubator for kids right so the people behind it the culture a lot of the principles like design thinking etc do come from the startup space as well a lot of the principles startup spaces are allied with maker spaces and maker spaces are often are and another way to describe divita is that it's a maker space for kids so it wasn't that difficult and of course i've uh, been a single dad for oh. 16 years so i think while there was no formal formal education beyond college in that space Oh, and on top of that, I was I was also doing a lot of corporate work with Twi Corporate and with other consulting companies, working with companies in learning and development, doing, you know, train the trainer, presentation skills, all of that. So, although those were are disparate and are different things, parang when they all came together, it really prepared me for this and at the end of the day when you talk to the founder of Vivita the number one kind of person that they don't hire is anyone with educational experience right it's <laughs> interesting though kasi diba it you you'd think that the company would tailor itself after mga yung mga known traditional forms of education diba yung mga schools and nandiyan yung mga new education but It seems like they're a very progressive company in the sense that open yeah. to lahat. Yeah, there's a... I think if you had to, and of course there are many, many differences, you you can lump um, Vivita in the movement loosely called unschooling. Okay. Or the progressive, progressive, progressive schooling. And to be successful at that people really say bring your expertise into it that's not too focused microscopically in learning and education that traditional way now just to be completely clear we're not a school we're an after school center that educates kids but we're not a school right and there are reasons for that it's because i mean It's it's expectations of parents and kids once they enter into a school. Um, it's government regulations and requirements once you're a school. Immediately, if you're a school, you're under DepEd, for example, right. uh, which makes experimentation uh, a little difficult. Yeah. yeah. Oh, impossible. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say difficult in, a, in an education setting. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Oh. I guess I, I I get that. You know. So. Oh. Balik tayo dun sa... Okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, and we're not here to replace schools. We're right. here to add on. To, right. to add supplement. Supplement. Yeah, yeah, whatever education a child is getting. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
So, balik tayo sa comedy career mo. Because I've always been under the impression that you're a naturally funny guy. Diba? Kahit even if you're <laughs> Even if you're a little deep, right? you're you're so very funny. So that sense of humor that you have, being that this is a podcast that is dedicated to that idea, where do you think it comes from? Right? What makes you laugh? What makes you think something is funny? Again? Oh, I, I love it. I love when the humor comes from nowhere. Or, or or the humor is unexpected or may delayed <laughs> um, processing time ng, ng right. humor I don't know the I I don't know the term well the term that I'm thinking of is but that's not exactly it is I love it when there's dissonance in humor okay na talagang ibang iba yung expectations mo or iba ibang iba yung look sa what is being said or what it sounds like I love that and for me it's all about the playfulness that came about it and the giggle that that get that came about it which interests me the most okay go lang, go lang. yeah sige. all right all right okay so three two one all right Uh, pick up from you. Were you at the giggle that interests you the most? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I I like that. I like the. I like the playfulness, and I think it's. I I, I think I think it's best expressed with. Uh, with for me, still the, one of the funniest, if not the funniest joke that I ever 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 came across. And this was taught to me by um, Georgie Isla. Georgie Isla was in the 90s, um, was on TV as the bodyguard of Noel Trinidad in Abangan Ang Susunod na Kabanata. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, And he was he was also a co-actor in 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 plays with Father Reuter. And so I, I, I spent a lot of time with him growing up and through my high school years and college years. Uh, and for me, the one of the funniest jokes that he told me, um, which very few people find funny, is yung, what is the similarity between a banka and punchline? They are both. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, that's the funniest joke that I've ever come across because it's just so, because it's so complex. It's so complex that it plays on language. It plays on pronunciation. It plays. Oh, sorry. The 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 better joke version was. What is the similarity between a banka? They are both. So yung dissonance palang ng setup. The similarity between a banka na gulong bluka na sa setup palang. Right. Tapos walang kwenta yung punchline. Right. <laughs> Parang baliw na baliw ako dun eh. <laughs> and that best encapsulates my my sense of humor. Medyo may kalabuan, medyo may disrupting of expectations, medyo may play on language, and even the delivery, which Georgie Isla did so well, was deadpan, walk away, no explanations. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, talaga, oh, so nagre-rely dun sa level, sa layers, I guess. Layers of understanding of that one 
simple one-liner, di ba? There's, there's the whole pun aspect to it that's on the surface, di ba? And how you understand it with code switching, di ba? Parang, alam din din. There you go. All right. Okay, game. So, we've been doing this for around an hour now. Thank you so much <laughs> for saying yes to this interview. I am just having a lot of fun here, but I'm gonna... I'm gonna ask you just one last question and then I'm gonna let you continue on with your day <laughs> So, with regards to improv and, and its evolution in, in the country, you guys started out, you started out forming a group and then you have a school and then now you have this entire movement with the festivals and whatnot. What is like the final goal for all of it? Like, is there a final goal, or are you just co- going to continue playing along? We made a vision slash mission for third world improv when we started, and I think it still holds true today. And the vision for us is that we make better people and better citizens through the practice of improv. And I think that will last, and I think that's urgent. I believe in our sixth year that we are succeeding in making better people. There are stories of you know how people have grown, how they've learned to uh, be better spouses, co-workers, uh, sons, daughters, parents through improv. Maybe it's the second part that we can improve on. How can we become better contributing citizens and members of at the very least the philippines through the practice of improv and so we'd like to grow in terms of really seriously getting into programs that help spread the lessons of improvisation to more people who are in the pro who are in decision making positions right in positions that help make a better world we're gonna see how we can do that and dahil third world improv maybe also look at how we can expand beyond the philippines not necessarily as a world domination <laughs> sort of thing but as a as a way na that has been possible through the pandemic na right now we have a lot of um, our students who are actually filipino americans filipino americans joining our classes and we're thinking hey improv as it's practiced right now is very north american in its thinking and in its practice and if we can influence the world to see that there are other voices as important and with as much to say as the Northern American perspective, then that will be a good thing for improv in, in general. So, ang seryoso ng ano, no? Seryoso ng sagot. De, pero, gets ko naman yun. Kasi, di ba, malay mo, kayo na din yung lalapitan ng rich guy na yun. Malay <laughs> yung improv sa ibang bansa, di ba? Hindi na kayo, hindi na kayo, kayo na yung lalapitan, di ba? Hindi na kayo especially with I uh, know especially with icons uh, reinventing I mean IO closed UCB no longer has a physical space right. second city was closed and there really is a shift in interest and hunger for other perspectives that are not from the Chicago school or not from the Johnstone school there is a thirst and curiosity for that. So, well, we'll see. We'll see. 
And I hope to be there when it happens. Diba? I hope that it actually happens for you. And makita ko yun in, in person. So thank you so much for taking this time to talk thank with me, Jane. And really, really had fun. Uh, if you guys want the people to know where Spit is performing or where they can catch you or where to find Third World Improv, now is your chance. Yeah, thank you, Chino, so much for having me in your Class Clown podcast. You can... Find information about our classes on www.thirdworldimprov.com or at facebook.com slash thirdworldimprov. We've got classes from levels 1 to 5 plus master classes and all of that. If you want to watch Spit, uh, Third World Improv also streams shows from our many different uh, improv classes and our many different improv groups uh, including collaborations from across uh, from across the world sometimes right there on third world improv we also do streaming shows um, if it's specific to spit it's facebook.com slash spit manila we do at least weekly shows tuesday nights we are on kumu on the fye channel on kumu which is an interesting place to be And we also do uh, monthly shows on Sure. And also still on our Facebook page, we also do free shows once in a while, aside from those two platforms. All right. Thank you, Mr. Gabe Mercado. And that does it for this week's episode of Class Cloud. I'd like to thank my guest, Mr. Gabe Mercado, for taking time out of his very busy schedule to talk to me for a bit. The fact that he gets to share this knowledge with the rest of the world with through improv, through his work in Baguio, through his work in other fields. It's just incredible. And he's so generous with his time and his knowledge that I am just floored every time we get to talk. So thank you so much to Web. And thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Every little bit, every little bit helps. Every listen, every review you leave me on Spotify, every follow you leave me on Spotify, rather, every review and rating you leave me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from really helps a lot because it lets people know that my podcast, first of all, exists. Second of all, that you like what you're listening to and you enjoy it and you let other people know that you're listening to me. A share helps a lot as well. Please share this podcast with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your 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 neighbors' neighbors, your your uncles on Viber groups. Instead of sharing fake news and ivermectin updates, share this podcast with them. Tell them that they will learn something new every time they listen to the Class Clown podcast. I am just. Really, really honored to be doing this on a weekly basis and all your shares, all your love, all that support really, really means a lot. Pero syempre, dapat gamitin nyo din yung links ko. Para naman, di naman nakakain ng love eh. Diba? So, kailangan din natin ng pera. Uh, <laughs> we need that. We, <laughs> di mo naman pwedeng ibayad yung love sa McDo, diba? 
Sabihin mo, it's magkano yung love na McFlurry? Diba? Parang hindi naman pwede yun. So, kailangan realistic yun dahil sa buhay natin. But all that, all the other things, yes, the support, yes, means so much. So, please follow me on Spotify. Please share this podcast. And when you do, please tag me in your messages and your statuses as well. At Chino Supersized for everything. Until next time, where we talk with more people about more of the things they love. This has been a Podcast Network Asia exclusive, powered, of course, by Podmetrics. My name is Chino Liao. Good night. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>